0: Welcome to the family with
1: co host Catherine Brandt, LA Nick, Alex Brandt Bernard Rasmussen,
0: Andy Brandt Bernard,
1: and Cassie Schrader.
0: We will be right back. Our special guest Leon R. Walker Jr., Broken a Memoir, joins us next with the family. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents car selling secrets.
2: Yes, and secrets. Oh.
0: Join me, Tom Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal as we talk cars, how to buy them, how to lease them, how to make the most of your money, and much more. What's it going to take to earn your business right now? Tune in every Thursday from 2 to 3 Central or download it on the Tom Bernard podcast page. I don't know.
3: I think I'm going to have to
2: think about
4: it. Michael Bryant, Brad and Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt, then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company, and they start asking you questions, or they try to settle your case early and cheap.
0: Take these, bro. Oh, you're playing Broken Wings. I get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is Leon with us? Yes, indeed. Yes. Leon R. Walker Jr., ladies and gentlemen, broken a memoir. Um, April is both Child Abuse Prevention Month and Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Because of the timeliness of these two movements, Leon would be honored to share his story with all you listeners out there to inspire change and help. Uh, molested three times starting at the age of six, addicted to pornography by the age of nine, and a witness to extremely violent fights between family members since birth. These graphic descriptions only scratch the surface of a boy born into an extremely toxic and dysfunctional family environment. Leon, I need to probably shut up and listen to your story because it's it's very touching, very powerful, obviously.
2: Thank you. Yeah, you know, I hope to... Hope to touch people and help people out you know and to so swear if people won't ever go through what I went through luckily I'm still around you to talk about
0: it you know no, you're absolutely right you are lucky because some people some people they just give up and it's really really a sad thing to see uh it's it's a hell of a story Leon I read it and it's just uh, what what can I say only as an adult man. And and I you know, I, I always put it this way, Leon. Uh I was never molested as a child, but I used to have fist fights with my dad when I was seven and I never won one of them. You know what I mean? So uh, Yeah, I didn't go bad, with okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a whole different people don't realize that stuff was pretty uh, ballpark, how old are you, Leon? I'm fifty three now, I'll be fifty four this year. <clears throat> Okay. Yeah. So, cause, cause when you and I were kids, it was much more prevalent, uh, particularly, you know, I grew up in the inner city and, and you grew up in East Cleveland. It, it looks like, uh, it was pretty common to see people. I, there was a guy, we had a neighbor in order to punish his kids. He would drag them into the middle of the street and beat the hell out of them to embarrass them and to harm them. He did both and he did it on purpose.
2: Yeah, and, you know, back then it was, it was acceptable, and it got people's attention. People, parents didn't go to jail for that. No, nope. you know? Not saying that it was right, but they did it often, and it was, like, the most one of the common things to do.
0: No, it was. You're absolutely right. So, so, Leon, I, I just want to hear you tell your story because, so you're a six-year-old kid, and you're just trying to live a happy life, and you don't know what the hell's going on in the world yet. There's no doubt about that. So, so how did this all start, Leon?
2: Well, it started with my two cousins in the first grade. You know, that I was, still, I was still losing teeth. So, you know, you wake up in the morning, you look to have money under your pillow from the tooth fairy. Um, I did that, and uh, my cousins spent the night. And so I wake up in the morning, I get the little quarters from under my pillow, and I knew they were in my sister's room. My sister was gone either downstairs, probably going to school. And I said, hey, you know, I got some money from the tooth fairy. Uh, I'm going to get some, some candy from Gus's store. Gus was a store that we frequented throughout the, um, you know, throughout throughout our childhood. It was around, you know, mm-hmm. around the corner from my house. So I looked at them and they looked at me like, you know, they didn't say anything. And then my one cousin grabbed me, threw me on the bed, my other one sat on top of me. And that's, this is when the first assault happened. It started sucking on my face, my mouth, they were kissing me, you know, my open mouth, they stuck on my neck. Um, my forehead, my entire face, my mouth was bleeding. I didn't know. So luckily I got out of there and I just ran mm-hmm. off to school and I get to school and the teacher's like, Leon, what happened to you? I didn't know that I was bleeding. My mouth was so bleeding because mm. I had missed yeah. my tooth came out, you know, so the pressure of them sucking on my mouth caused my mouth to bleed again. And i hugged hooked my teacher, my first grade teacher, and blood was on her skirt on her skirt and her sweater and all she did was tell my mother the time. Like you said back then when parents were being on kids or or chastising it wasn't a big deal and all I did was tell my mother and that was the last that's the only thing I could possibly do but that put me on a deep dark dark spiral as a child you know I never trusted women for many years after that I had a hard time with women that was the first incident
0: yeah I could understand that so so once again at six years old you pretty much trust everybody in the world you think people are just inherent inherently good people. And that got taken away from you at six years old uh, it's just it should never happen, but it it back then particularly, and I'm sure it still happens today where where young children are taken advantage of and you just you can't figure it out in your young head. You can't figure it out as a grown man, I'm sure at fifty years old it, it's It's hard to figure out why those things happened, what caused it to happen. You know there had to be a driving force between why behind why they did that. who the hell knows you know you assume it happened to them, I guess.
2: It probably did happen to them, and the best way for them to get their aggression out or even something that they were they were a- addicted to was to attack me, and I was the first person. So, yeah, you know, kids don't report that stuff. They don't tell anybody, and I was one of those kids that grew into a grown man that never said anything about it. I didn't get any therapy until I was 50 years old when I was retiring out of Navy mm. because I didn't even realize mm-hmm. I was abused, but I was abused.
0: No, I think most people, most kids don't understand. They think that everybody's treated that way, don't they?
2: They think it's fair, right? They think that's a way of punishment. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just how it is.
2: Right. You never think that your family members would do that. But back then, if you think about it, it was real common for family members to do that to people. There was, you know, another incident, and we'll get to that too, but it was kind of common thing to do stuff like that. Sadly to say that, it happened a lot, not just to me
0: it did indeed so now you're six years old um basically the story uh broken a memoir molested three times starting at the age of six so so uh, was it over the next three years i guess is kind of the way i read it you were addicted to pornography by the age of nine so one of them must have exposed you to pornography in the first place i would think
2: yeah so that was a family member that exposed me to pornography at an early age around eight and during that time is uh, when my babysitter was molesting me, raping me. Um, sadly, you know, I didn't report that either because my parents had a lot of hell going on. And I needed somebody to rescue me from the pain of my parents, from being hurt, you know, being listening to my parents, arguing, fighting all the time, from being terrified mm-hmm. and not knowing what to expect. My father came home. So I had a lot of anger and you know, I had a lot of hurt. And I had a lot of a- agony going on within my own little mind, my own little body. So. My babysitter, again a friend of the family, was the first person that took my my innocence, took my virginity, and I was at eight, eight, nine years old. Sadly, like I said, it was it was when we first did it was wrong. But after that, I started to like it because that was a, an escape for me. That's the only way that I can get rid of the pain that I had in my body, and my mind. I started liking right. her having having sex with her. She was much older than I was.
0: Yeah, and it, it just, you think that, again, you as the the person in the center, you think that's how all kids experience life, I'm, I'm I'm sure. You just think, well, this is what everybody does, and so I guess we're just doing what's normal, right? Yeah, after the first time, after that, it was normal for me, and then, uh,
2: you know, sadly again, that's what I took into my adulthood, that before marriage was a normal thing, and we all know, you know, when you think about God in the Bible, it's not you know, fornication is, is bad. But I never even knew about fornication, even as a young young man, you know, uh, learning about the Bible. But to me, it was just a natural mm-hmm. thing to do. Especially when I started liking it, especially when it started helping me get through the trials and tribulations of my dysfunction. That was, the thing, that was the thing that I looked forward to. I didn't look forward to playing with kids outside. I didn't look forward to reading books. I didn't look forward to writing, you know, watching cartoons. I looked forward to having sex with my babysitter.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can understand it. And, and by the way, Leon, you are not the first person I've ever talked to that went through that. I have another very dear friend of mine. I've known him my whole life. And he began having sex with the neighborhood girls because they, they came on to him, and he was only nine years old as well. Uh, it just was normal to him. They're He was nine years old, and he started having sex, and he just thought that that's what everybody did, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. And you know what's crazy about that? This is luckily... I had the blueprint to rape somebody, but I didn't. I had the blueprint to molest somebody, but I didn't. I had the blueprint mm-hmm. to find those little boys, but I didn't. And a lot of these guys, these rapists, these serial killers and rapists, this is where it starts. At. It starts in their childhood. It starts from a parent molesting yeah. them or it starts from a uncle molesting them. It starts from a parent abusing them. And so, But still, they get caught and put in jail and say, well, why did you do this? Well, my mother did this to me and my mother left me and my father beat me or my uncle raped me. So I had to do no. That I, I had the I had the blueprint just like these guys did, but I chose to do something better with my life. I don't want to assault anybody. I don't want to rape anybody. I didn't want to molest anybody, and so I didn't. But I was deeply into porn, and I started you know delving into that. And so that's what one that, that's the darkest route I took aside from having a, an abundance of sex with a a, a bunch of women.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, Leon, was there was there a turning point? Look, obviously, you handled things very well. You said, "I'm not going to do this," and you didn't do it. Was there something that happened to you, or something that something that's in your brain just clicked, and you said, I, "I can't be following this road like everybody else seems to be doing"? What? Well, how did you escape all this? Because it's pretty impressive that you did. Well,
2: there was a couple of reasons why how I escaped it. One reason was out of my control. It was my parents' divorce, right? So when my father, who worked at Ford Motor Company, when he had to leave the house Mm -hmm. because of the divorce, my mother was working at a bar. She couldn't afford to take care of us, so we lost the house. When we lost the house, I lost my ability to watch porn. That was it. And then when, when, when we lost the house, we had to move, so I didn't have the babysitter to have sex with. So I was forced to grow up and say, you know what? I can't do these things. These are wrong. I was forced to think that way. Had we stayed in the house, I would have still been doing it. Who knows who, I, where, who or where I would be at this point. But moving and losing the house, my parents divorced, I was forced to let go of the porn and sex with my babysitter. So we left the house. My mother made, sent me to live with a young lady that I didn't know, a lady that she worked with. And um, things got a little better, but I still had those fixes. I still had those demons deeply rooted in my soul. So mentally mm-hmm. I was still dysfunctional. Mentally I was still hurt. Mentally I was still lost. But I was kind of, it was just actually, indirectly, it was all taken away from me. Had we stayed in a house, I would still be doing it. But then, you know, aside from that, when, when she start, when she left, when we moved and I didn't have the babysitter, that's when I had false suicide because I had no way of control these hurts that I had to have sex. You know, and then my mother moved a man in with us who was um, very vital in my growth and development, and he didn't show me, but he taught me how to masturbate. He told me about masturbation. That was another release that I had. So aside from being mm-hmm. raped and molested, then I getting into porn. I started masturbating around nine years old because my my mother's gay friend taught me how to, you know, told me how to do it. He didn't, he never touched me. He never showed me. He never showed me. He just told me because I was complaining to him about these urges that I was having. To mm-hmm. One, have yeah. sex, my baby, the, the two to have to watch porn. And I was like, you know, I'm having suicide. So, I had to have some some sort of outlet. masturbation was one, the first thing. That's
0: when I was introduced to it. I can understand that. Leon paints the picture of his poverty-stricken inner-city neighborhood filled with dysfunctional households where divorce, murder, lack of standards, lack of organization, lack of morals, no insight, no guidance, no direction, and no caring were normal. And you still got beyond it, Leon. Why, why do you think you had you had the intelligence and the character to get through all this? How, I, you do understand you had to be a very smart guy to get through all this. You know that, right?
2: Well, I had to be very tough. I don't know about smart, but I had to be very tough. Yeah, you, yeah. Were, you would think that people are smart. You would want them to be smart, but I had to be tough, and I had to I had to take a deep dive into myself with the common sense part. Both of my parents were very driven people. My father had a huge personality. My mother had an uh, addictive personality. So I had to figure out, you know, early on I saw my uncles. They used to talk about the Army. My father talked about the Army. So I wanted to go into the Army, you know, even at nine years old. But I knew I would have to wait another eight years to turn 17 to join the Navy, which is what I did. But I knew God at an early age. I saw God, and I talk about this in my next book called One Point Comes Out This Fall. But I saw God's eyes in in the sky, and I told my mother about it one day. But I knew then, it was a feeling that I got when I looked in the sky, coming from the candy store, that I saw these eyes looking down at me, and I ran in the house and told my mother. I had actually hopped off my bicycle. And she said, that's just God looking out for you." So I knew then that I would be okay. I knew then that I was on the right path. Regardless of my addictions, regardless of my egregious ways, I knew that I was close to God, close enough to keep me safe. So I I was the common sense type of kid. I, I wasn't smart. I had trouble concentrating in school because of the, the race and molest, molestation. So I didn't—I mm-hmm. never considered myself smart. In fact, I felt like I was dumb and stupid. I was called slow. But I did have attention. I got that from mainly from my father. And so I turned that comment so soft into positive thoughts. And that was the only thing that really helped me get through it.
0: Well, I will tell you, I'm here to tell you you are smart, whether you think you are or not, <laughs> because you are. There's no doubt about that. Oh, thank I just you. and I love your courage. The fact that you will step up and write uh, a, a book, broken a memoir. Your second book coming out in the fall. Uh, it's really a good thing that you're doing this because even if one kid out there hears about this and reads your books or is told about your book, told told maybe there's a kid listening right now in, in mom and dad's house, and they're hearing you talk about this, and it, you might inspire them. I think what you're doing is very very bold. It's wonderful that you're doing it. You're a smart guy, and you seem like a really decent human being to me, Leon. So just keep on keeping on, as they, they used to say. And I, I would love to have you back when the next book comes out, Leon.
2: Definitely. I'd love to come back. You know that I'd be honored to come on your show. I'm th- thank you guys for having me today as well.
0: Oh, it's our pleasure. Leon R. Walker, Jr., Broken a Memoir. Thank you for all your time today, Leon. All right. Thanks
2: for having me, too. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely, sir. We'll be back with the family. It's Tom Bernard with North American Banking Company CEO and my buddy, Michael Bilski. Michael, let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year. How can North American Banking Company get that job done? At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants and their plans for the future. Once we have a good understanding of that, we'll try to solve their financing dilemma. We won't take a
4: cookie-cutter approach to any financing situation. Wonderful.
0: So, if I need cash to expand my podcast, you got a plan for me too? No. <laughs> <laughs> God, thank you. I see where this is going. Well, we love you, working huh? with you. We can help any business, including a podcast that's already very successful. Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. You I still are. never liked you, though. You are. No, nah, I never. Don't try to make up. I don't. Like <laughs> Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Spring is here, and there's no better time to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience. The most advanced Contura laser technology and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they want to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK Spring Savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today. Or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them I sent you and save 500 bucks on your LASIK.
3: Offer expires June 21st, 2019. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offers.
0: We are back, ladies and gentlemen again Leon R Walker jr broken a memoir boy that's a, that's a hell of a powerful story isn't it yeah I mean, that's an amazing story just listening to all he went through and things I've heard that seriously and, and you know you guys actually know who that friend of mine is that same thing happened to him at nine years old the teenage girls in his neighborhood started having sex with him when he was nine years old wow. Um Oh, it's just unbelievable. But you, you, all of these different things. There was a kid one time, and you know, this obviously no names or whatever, but we're playing baseball at St. Joseph's back in the day, which is now pretty much where where I-94 crosses Plymouth Avenue. Just a little south of there is where St. Joseph's Church and School was. But the kid's standing there, and he he had epilepsy. And we were talking about his epilepsy. And you know, he was explaining to me what it is because I had not, you know, I was not third grade, I guess. So I would never even heard of epilepsy. And he was talking about it. And I, I said, what's the worst part of it? And he goes, oh, my dad. I said, your dad is the worst part of it? And he goes, yeah. He said, every time I'm about to, because he called it a fit. That's he called yeah, it an epileptic, it, se- not a seizure. They called it a fit. They back were fits then. back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were. But he talked about every time that he could, my father could see a, uh, a fit coming on, he would beat me. To try to beat it out of me, so I wouldn't act like that. And I said, well, "How?" And he kind of took it he took his, his his the waist of his pants and, and dropped it about six inches, and then lifted his shirt. His dad would beat him with the edge of a spatula, mm-hmm. so he had these huge cuts all over his body. Yeah, I don't think that's how and his big works. sin. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it isn't. I think you're right about that. But that's how stupid his father was. I mean, he basically, his father basically told him, this is your fault. You're doing this on purpose. Mm. He literally thought the kid was doing it to him. Oh, I mean, God. that's just how dumb this guy was. But, yeah, the, the cuts up and down his body. That's why, to tell you the truth, all these experts, you know, who went to college, oh, oh this is what, this is what inner city people need. This is what people of color need. And this is what poor you don't have a clue what inner yeah. city people need. So stop saying that you know, here's the problem right here. You don't have a clue what these people are going through. They, sh- None. they
3: all sure do think they have a
0: solution, though. <laughs> they, sure yeah, they sure do. sure <laughs> do. I listen to him talk. I go, you're an idiot. All this whole, uh, you know, the brown people. You know how obnoxious that sounds yep. when you refer to people as brown people? You know, when people say brown people, it just makes me want to... <sighs> oh. Vomit. Well, <laughs> well, I don't know about, don't know about killing him, but no. I mean, it's it. It was uh, uh, there was a, a kid. I mean, I can't talk about it. and I can talk about the. But he grew up in a fourplex, and did not have a smooth uh, smooth road, right? No. But he still he still always said, when I grow up, I'm gonna I'm gonna move in there. Uh, and, and I'm gonna stay in there the rest of my life because it's where I grew up, and I love the place. And so he did. We, we got a little older, and you know, became got into our twenties, and and he went back to that very same apartment in a fourplex, got in an argument with one of the people in the other uh, one of the other units, and killed everyone in the building. So it didn't not work just there. the people he was arguing with, but everybody. So. You don't want to be pushing these people too hard because they got some a major problem. Right? Right. Uh, I mean here's here's one of the, the problems that I do have with the situation today. All these people who because they went to college think they know all about the the troubles and the tribulations and all I know it just how to no, you have no idea what these people they, have and, been through.
3: And the ones that know the most are the ones that were spoon fed their whole lives.
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. They have no idea what kind of agony these people went through. Honestly. Uh but they're they they're we're an expert on this and it's because of the uh it, look one of my favorite things is oh uh, you know the white man with his uh, ma- toxic masculinity and his white privilege and I'm going let me tell you something. I don't care which friend of mine or whatever not all my friends but I'm just saying I've seen White guys, black guys, brown guys, Native American guys, uh, the whole shooting match beat the piss out of their children. It's not just a honky thing, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what they don't want to believe, though. They really want to believe that this is all a white problem, which is ridiculous. Right? I see a lot of black people beat the crap out of their kids. Back in the day, absolutely. I, Every, mean, and, all
3: the, and I see it now in public. Go, go, to, go to a Walmart.
0: <laughs> go to a yeah. Walmart. No, that's I'm serious. So, you'll really see, you'll see to somebody Walmart. smack
3: the crap out of their kid in Walmart. Oh, right? yeah. It's common.
0: Oh, you're absolutely right. It's, it's to this day, and, and you know, Catherine and the kids will tell you this, I cannot stand by and watch somebody hit a, hit anybody. I can't stand there and watch it. It's, I go over, and I, I have to break it up. I have to get involved. I can't watch it. Well, I recently had to, le- I
3: had to recently watch something, and I, I had no option. So it was on Nicolette Mall, and there was, I would say, between five and six teenagers. Um, and there was a guy walking down Nicollet Mall on crutches. Well, they came oh running up behind him and grabbed both crutches and started beating him with him. <sighs> What? Oh, yeah, and and there wasn't a lot I could do because there was six no, of them, I could see that. and they were all yeah. they were all you know, set sixteen to nineteen year old teenagers, and you no, know, I, I I thought about it, and I'm like, well, I'm just gonna get beat up too. Yeah, I mean,
1: well, I the best thing you could probably do is film it and send yeah. it to the cops.
3: They don't. Well there's, there's cameras in every single block of Nicolette Mall. I mean, they yeah, have no you, film. You I've been in, I've been in the control room. They see everything. But those do kids they? Can they, they, really they
1: clearly see faces?
3: Oh yeah, oh yeah. They have great cameras. They can zoom right in. They beat that guy yeah. and then broke both crutches and threw him in the in the vent, in the planter. And uh they, they didn't they just did it for fun.
0: For fun Whoa. to beat somebody to They didn't rob him or spot. nothing. Just beat oh, him up. God what time of the day was this midday <sighs> midday make it, makes yeah it's
1: me just absolutely like one o'clock in the o'clock. afternoon i
0: know
1: what they've been doing to
3: it's that so city sad.
0: it's just what they've done to that city is it well i see now somebody else is closing down downtown uh what is it avon pain i don't know how anybody's no. it, i Avon
1: oh pa- oh oh in the skyway system yeah, yeah
0: well that's down. that's a tough spot
4: yeah, it is. Uh, a tough bon. one. You know what's bon. funny?
3: Now that I'm out bon. in the bon. in the bon. suburbs, every <laughs> restaurant is completely packed, jammed every night. Like you can't even get in yeah. any of them. They're 40 minute waits Monday, uh, in uh, the seven suburbs? days. Oh yeah, seven days a mm-hmm. week. Seven days a week. Even for lunch. at the Dayton Bar. Oh yeah. Even even <laughs> even oh, lunch yeah. time at Maynard's in in Maple Grove. It's packed. Oh yeah, Maynard's is very popular so but yet and every restaurant downtown is just a ghost town so why would you open why would you open up down there i don't understand why you would open up down there just to say you own you have a restaurant in downtown pretty much well
1: because there's so many people moving into downtown i mean they can't keep up with the apartment building and everything else so they say no they're they're packed (laughs) believe me i I sold Andy's uh, condo down, uh, you know, in the North Loop, and it was sold in, yeah. a, in like a few hours. But it was at that yeah. price
3: point. That's why.
1: It, yeah, well, it was. well, yeah, it was but there is a lot of stuff in the North Loop that's affordable, and and there is a lot of apartments now. Well, that I'll tell are affordable. you, I, mm-hmm. yesterday
3: Nancy Nancy's car died, at downtown, and she calls me, and I am at the house in, in Dayton, and she calls me, and my car's dead, so I jump in my car, drive d- downtown, and her battery's dead. So, and it's a brand new car. It's a newer car with a brand new battery. So yeah. I said, you must have a bad alternator. So I give her my battery so she can try to make it home on a good battery. And I tell you what, after we got her car running, it needed gas. So I had to go to Bobby and Steve's there on the corner, you know, down oh, Washington. Nice. And nice. I'll tell you, it was rough, man. A lot yeah, rough, a lot of... Mm-hmm. rowdy bad people man there people are throwing the trash I watched a guy empty yep. his car right on the ground all his trash <laughs> oh, I mean literally music blaring on 20 the whole car vibrating and he emptied his whole car onto the ground
2: why not
1: I just don't understand why you want to act like that why don't do people either. want to
3: no. be like this I don't think is, they is so people can better. just. Yeah. it's easy really I don't think they know any better huh. Catherine I don't think they know any better I don't
0: think they were ever um, taught wrong. You, right. you might be right. I will t- Let me just say one thing very quickly. Nancy's far too good for you. Okay, let's get back <laughs> to the conversation. I just
1: talked to Nancy today.
0: <laughs> you did? I just
1: talked to Nancy today. Yeah, she. Um, I-, I sent her some information about the house um, or the-, the barn siding and the roof and all that oh. stuff. So she had it for her file, and so she called me. So we were having a little conversation. She told me all about the alternator, that there was a little swearing going on when you were changing that up. <laughs> well,
3: I had a – I, you I go. drove her car home and went to get the auto, alternator because Honda wanted $700 for an alternator. I'm like, uh, no. Uh, That's just for – so I was like, uh, no. So I went to a Riley's and they had it for two thirty, and I put it in. Excellent.
1: Oh, oh, O'Reilly's burp, burp, but it, was, it was
3: It was a very frustrating <laughs> installation. But to say the least really well at nine o'clock at yes, night I see
0: that.
3: you know and it's buried in the in that that's a v6 Honda it's buried in there you have to take most of the car apart to get to it I've never
1: understood okay I also was having this conversation with her it's like the stuff that goes out all the time in cars why don't they have that so that you can get to it
3: Anybody? Good question good question <laughs> They used to, it you know. No, indeed. they used to. All the old cars had it was a V-shaped bracket in the front with the alternator on one side and the air conditioner pump, the compressor on one side, and the water pump in the center. Easy peasy. You could do it in two seconds. It was two bolts. And then front-wheel drive cars came out, and the engine went sideways. So then everything got buried. Mm, right. yeah. yeah. Oh. That's
1: what no, that's happened. True. We were. It was funny because I was also talking to her, and this is before we started the podcast about. City deer versus country deer. (laughs) You guys were having that conversation last hour about... City dog city, versus country dog. City dog versus country versus dog. Versus country
0: dog. That's exactly yeah, it's it. like
1: we've got these deer that just won't even get out of your way in the city. No. They just, no, they just they don't stand care. there. They're just like, what do you want? <laughs> exactly. You're honking your horn, revving your engine. You can't get in your own driveway because yeah, they'll just true. sit there staring at you. And they're like, I'm going to get my lawyer and sue your ass.
0: <laughs> yeah, they kind of do have that yeah. attitude. Yeah, country they deer, do. As, soon as they spot you, they run. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're yep. way more timid.
0: That's very, very true. You know, before we uh, continue on here, there's only a couple of minutes left in this segment, I do want to say one thing about Leon R. Walker Jr. Uh, and his uh, memoir, um, Broken. Broken people do need to understand when leon talks about that in interviews when leon wrote the book um, and it's very good for people to write sit down and write things about their life it's very good to see it yeah yeah, it's cathartic to put it on a piece Mm -hmm. of paper but when he was writing that memoir broken he he felt like it. He felt again when he was six years old. He felt like he felt when he was nine years old. He had to go through that whole thing again, and I'm sure it just keeps repeating in his head. And people do need to understand that, that he will never completely lose that. It's always going to be with him. That's how sad that thing is. Isn't that terrible. It is. It's
3: very sad.
0: It just sad. is. What a nice man, though. You know, just. Very bold to get out there and try to help other people. So
3: bold. Pretty brave to even say, write the
0: stuff that he wrote. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, well, look, there were, what, his his two, two cousins. He didn't say how old they were, but I'm assuming they probably were, what, young teens maybe? you know who knows well,
1: a lot of people expose their kids to a lot of different stuff yeah, they i sure mean do. they watch porn in front of their kids they're doing drugs See, in front weird, of their little man. kids I just they just it. i know it really I is. to me they my, just don't both, think anything of it
3: both my parents to me were saints because i never seen to do anything wrong like ever
1: i remember in high yeah. school and like college, college especially people would like talk about how they drink with their parents like they'd play See, beer pong with, with their parents. parents and I'm like, what? No, so weird. <laughs> no.
3: With your my parents never even cursed what? in front of us. I did plenty. Mine yeah. didn't.
1: Hey. My mom <laughs> would say. My mom I did it when you were little. If my mom I did not got when you
3: were really, little. really mad, she would say friggin'. 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 friggin. friggin. I don't yeah.
1: swear really at all. I say, I'll say, say like dang it or I say friggin'. Yeah, sometimes. Dang it. My mom or would say if, if, if she got really
3: mad, she'd say friggin'. Yeah.
1: I'll go, oh, yeah.
0: No, that's true. Sometimes, but that's about it. I'll tell the world and I'll tell everybody on this show, Catherine never watches porn in front of me. So (laughs) I I want to tell her how much I appreciate that.
3: No, porn is not. I don't get the the whole watching porn thing, man. I I either. I'm I'm sorry. I just just don't get it. it. It I makes
1: don't. me panic.
3: It just makes
4: <laughs> it me. Makes me pan- I'm like, oh, wait, what is this? <laughs> I just don't understand <laughs> I <can't. laughs> it. I don't get it.
3: I, I can see, I can see oh, the allure of looking at a beautiful person, but I don't get the yeah. whole porn thing, I man. Know. it's creepy. It's
0: like no, mm. you're absolutely right. This is an intimate but...
1: moment. Why am I watching? I just
0: don't get it. No,
1: I oh, don't either a listener just tweeted to me. About why they put the weird thing, the car pieces in. Let me see here. Latte okay, sprinkles. What?
5: What are you Remember, I about? was talking
1: about the fact that they, they put things that need to be changed in cars very in, uh, in very places. inaccessible areas. Uh, if you were listening. Um, no. Got tweeted. I'm <laughs> no. guessing they make the changeable things in cars really hard to get to, so you have to bring them to a dealership and get them fixed.
3: Well, the reason Doug
1: what... could probably confirm or deny no. these allegations. The, 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 the real,
3: the real reason why is because we want the front-wheel drive car, so the engine got turned sideways. So now yeah. everything's on the side, and they had to congest it all in there. They can
1: engineer anything better. Mm. They can make it better. Well, well there's a lot of
3: there's a lot of rules in to, to, what can be sold in this country. I mean. If you that's go to true. Europe and look at some of their cars, they're easier engineered, but they're not legal here.
0: Yeah, that's we true. we got to get cooking because yeah. we, we have a guest in a minute and a half, oh. so we'll be right back with our special guest, Amara Cash, a director. We'll be talking to Amara right after this with the family. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. We have no bumper music, by the way, because Cassie left. What do you mean she left? He's gone. We're back. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's just pouring, so that's that's very true. Is Amara ready to go? Yes. Amara Cash, how are you?
4: Hello, I'm How are you?
0: I'm wonderful, thank you very much. The movie's called Daddy Issues, opening, as a matter of fact, in two days on April 19th at the Imagine Theater in Lakeville. Daddy Issues follows Maya, a talented queer artist on the verge of a first love that is more complicated than anything she could imagine. Maya spends her days escaping into her drawings and social media, where she cyberstalks the alluring Jasmine. Now, who, wait a minute, Demar. so who actually is Maya? Is there a real Maya? Or is it based on somebody? I guess is what I'm asking.
5: Uh, the real, the real Maya, the Maya. She's a character in the film. No, she's a fictional character in the movie.
0: So she's not based on anybody in in particular. Okay, I just wanted to check and, and, and find out. Oh um,
5: no! About. I mean, she's but she's she's inspired by people that I've met, but she's not she's not one person in particular. She's a pixie princess. She's into all pastel color palette, wardrobe, and her art, and she's. She's a little pixie cosplay
3: girl. So she's not you?
5: (laughs) She's not me, no. But I've known a couple of her.
0: Okay. When Maya and Jasmine's paths finally cross, they begin a romantic relationship that provides Maya her dream of first love and Jasmine the inspiration she needs to jumpstart her career. It's Here it is, Amara Cash. It's all gumdrops and fairy tales until a bizarre love triangle soon emerges, all because... Of daddy issues. So, what's that all about? Daddy issues.
5: So, we've got Jasmine, and I would say I'm a little bit closer to a Jasmine. I think everyone can relate to being either a Maya or a Jasmine. Maya's very innocent, and Jasmine's very naughty. And Jasmine has a sugar daddy. So that's the way she makes her livelihood. That's the way she survives as a single woman in Los Angeles. She's got a sugar daddy, and it's, um, it's a big secret that's revealed. And Maya, it's, it really devastates Maya because she's completely in love with Jasmine.
0: You know, it's a pretty amazing, Amara. Who, who wrote the bio, by the way, for the movie? Who, who wrote the descriptor of the movie?
5: Oh, we did myself and my writing partner, Alex Bloom.
0: Okay, well, the the reason I ask you that is because uh, as you do interviews and all the rest of it, the people, because there got to be some people out there that don't understand or don't know, and they get very nervous about the word queer, don't they? I mean, I don't because I know exactly what you're talking about, but some people, are are some people touchy about that, not wanting to say that word because it's ridiculous if they do?
5: Absolutely. I have found, me myself, I'm a millennial. I, I I didn't grow up hearing that word as a bad, hateful thing, um, right. but I know that it used to be used as a derogatory term, so I have run into that of people saying, oh, well, why are you calling her queer, and why not lesbian, and she is a lesbian, um, I like the word queer as kind of an, an umbrella um, of anyone who's kind of different, or quirky, or kinky, mm-hmm. or, or um gay so i kind of use it as an umbrella term i don't i don't think it's a bad thing i use it as a positive thing um and and i think that it's outdated to think of it as a derogatory term i think we can move past that and embrace it
0: see i think you're absolutely right and that's why i brought it up in the first place because people need to understand if you keep treating it like a bad word. It's going to stay a bad word forever. Whereas if you embrace it and just go, yeah, that's fine. You can call me that. You can call me whatever you want to call me because it doesn't have any impact on me whatsoever. People give words this, this horrible meaning and they just, they get so nervous. Like, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. Just embrace the language. Just, just say the words, whatever it is, they'll lose all their power and everybody will feel much better about themselves. Don't you think?
5: I think so. And for, for me, myself, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not straight and I'm not gay. I'm somewhere in between. And I like to call myself queer. I like to identify as queer because for mm-hmm. me, it's kind of a broader term and it feels, com- it feels comfortable for me. So that's why I use it.
0: Yeah, I understand that completely, and I, I'm I'm glad we just we've had a, a few guests on today, and and a lot of bravery going on. We had uh, a man on just earlier this hour who grew up a severely abused childhood, both sexual and physical abuse, and all the rest of it. But his bravery mm. is is. You know, so present. It's so there. You just go, God, what a great conversation. And I'm kind of getting the same feeling here. Like when I did see Daddy Issues Follows Maya, a talented queer artist on the verge of a first love, I said, well, Amar is an honest person. I like this. You know, you just do it. You don't like it, then then don't worry about it. Right? I mean, I love that.
5: And that's completely what this, yes, and that is completely encompasses the entire vibe of this film. This film is out there. Sure. It's a bit racy, it's a bit controversial, but it, it owns itself, it has a good message in the end, and um it's definitely a wild ride. So I I feel like we just have to throw it out there right away that this is something different.
0: Yeah, I think and I think it's a great thing to tell you the truth. I, I just uh you know, live your life, uh, be happy who you are. I, see, I never understood Amara, first of all. And, and this is this all, all encompassing with the movie we're talking about, daddy issues. But I don't understand why anyone would care what you do in your sex life. Why would anyone, why would anybody, I mean, care in a bad way. Why would they go, oh, you shouldn't be doing that? I mean, Absolutely. It's your sex life. It's your sex life. What, does anybody else even care?
5: I completely agree. I grew up, uh, my mom is very uh, eccentric and quirky and accepting of all different types of people. So I grew up kind of in an accepting bubble and a very positive accepting bubble. Um, So for me, I I kind of forget that people care what you do in your personal life, because I think it's all about how you treat people, how you conduct yourself in society. You know, if you're not hurting anyone else, who cares? If you're just living your own more. life and, and, um, and being kind to other people, I think that's really all that matters. So I actually tend to forget that it's such a ba- that it's such a big deal for people um yeah, same sex right. relationships. It's, no, uh, that's, it's, that's, that's, uh, it's not really a big deal to me. So
0: <laughs> no, it's a good thing. So we're talking to Amara Cash. She's the director of daddy issues. Alex Bloom, mm-hmm. your pal wrote it. And then Jenna, she, she pronounced her name correctly. Chadichi. Sedici, yeah. Nah, it's kind of close, but you know, you got to go the whole Italian route on that one. Amara. <laughs> that's all. That's what I'm saying. There
5: you go. But, there uh, there yes.
0: you go. Sedici. So, sedi, so, uh, Sabi, yeah. Um Amara, what inspired this project? So, you you, you get together with Alex and say, "Outlooks, I, I wrote this, Amara, and I'd like you to direct it." And is that the, is that how this all got started?
5: No, as a matter of fact, I had the seed of an idea that I really wanted to do a love triangle with um, a straight character, a bisexual character, and a gay character. I wanted to do a little something for everyone, um, and I found myself caught in a love triangle many, many years ago, and uh, it really inspired me to to kind of explore my own sexual identity. So I thought of the idea of, you know, let's, let's really dive in and do a love triangle let's do something a little bit different and from there we developed the script together and wrote it together okay. And then, uh we had jenna also giving feedback the whole way through
0: no i'm that's true where are you from originally amara
5: i'm from florida originally
0: from florida okay and then where do you live now
5: i am in los angeles california
0: Okay, yeah, that's one. I I, so, uh, do you are you traveling around with the movie? I mean, uh, are you going to be in town this Friday, or or, or is uh, maybe Alex Bloom going to be in town? Are you traveling with the movie?
5: We have traveled. I took it to film festivals last year. So last year we oh, okay. um, were in OutFest. We won best first, yeah, we won best first feature film there. I took it to London, Toronto. I took it all around. And then from there, we got distribution. And that's how we are in the theaters and coming out on demand this Friday. So I kind of did the tour that- already and uh, took it to the festivals and got the awards, etc.
0: So you got a lot of awards. I want to hear about your awards. I'd love to hear about your awards.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, we got um, we got Best Director in London at the International Film Festival there. We got... Um, we, uh, we got Best First Feature Film at Outfest, like I said. At the uh, Midwest Weird Fest, we got Best Director there. We won a Jury Award at the Arizona Underground Film Festival. So uh, we've been showing it kind of at, like, cult film festival type of places as well as mm-hmm. queer film festivals. And it's it's done very very well with, with both groups. So if you're an independent no, think... filmmaker make- or a film lover and... you're And um, you like quirky, different things, or underground films. You will love it as well.
0: I think well. See, that's a that's a wonderful thing. So, how how does Maya meet Jasmine in the first place?
5: So she's been stalking her for a while online, and as (laughs) as, as I'm going to assume, you guys know (laughs) (laughs) typical teenage behavior, by the way.
4: Um, So she's
5: been kind of following her through Instagram, and Jasmine tags everywhere she goes. So every time she's out at a bar, she tags her location. Every time she's out at a club, she's she's telling her followers where she is. So Maya finds out where she is through her social media. It's it's a very modern love story. And um, she actually goes and meets her because she finds her location through Instagram.
0: Ooh, that's a little scary.
5: Yeah, but it's it's uh, kind of normal these days. People meet online yeah, all no, the it time. Is. It's, no, you're uh, absolutely right. What? And, and that's kind of like, it's kind of part of, you know, your own cybersecurity. If you want to share where you are and you have a public profile, people are going to see where you are. And that's how Jasmine oh, yeah. chooses to live. She's on out loud and online.
0: Now, well, the title, Daddy Issues, what's that all about?
5: Well, there's a big twist that I cannot reveal, but I will okay, yeah, say don't do that, yeah. Yeah, that good. every character, I won't do it, but every character in this film has daddy issues in one way or another. So everyone's dealing with their own uh, daddy issues I- in one way or another. And they all um, completely have, have formed in different ways and have expressed themselves in different ways, but they all have daddy issues, all of our lead characters. So that's kind of what the film is about at the end of the day, is family and that father dynamic.
0: But I think that's very smart because it doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, whatever you are. um, Everybody has daddy issues. (laughs) I mean, everybody understands daddy issues, I think.
5: Absolutely. And we even have some mommy issues in this film as well. Uh, It's not really about their sexuality. It's more about um, their relationships with their parents at the end of the day
0: hmm hmm Did you did you growing up did you have daddy issues at all?
5: Uh you could say that. Um Yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. Me too. Me too, Amara. I had daddy issues myself. And actually, uh, our son and our daughter are in studio. So did Andy and Alex, did you have daddy issues too? No. No. I don't think so. I didn't think so. They did my my kids oh, well, did not good. have daddy issues. Yeah, a nice
3: thing. Like they'd admit it on But did they have mommy issues?
0: <laughs> yeah, Odie. Totally, yeah. for sure. Mom, even less, mom's here too, Amara.
3: Even less so. Uh,
0: what do you mean even less so? So you did have daddy issues. I didn't have Amara, daddy no, issues. Amara, now the, truth is, the, but the I, truth is coming out, Amara, right here. It's coming <laughs> out right here for the first time. <laughs> God, unbelievable. I look forward to seeing your movie. Uh, the movie's called Daddy Issues opening April 19th at Imagine Theater in Lakeville. Amara Cash the director, Alex Bloom the writer, Jenna Chitchi. We're going to just say that from now on. We're going to say it like that. So that'll be good. Produced uh, the the film.
5: Perfecto.
0: I think it's well. I'm I'm really happy you came on today cuz to tell you the truth, Amara, I like honesty and people just getting out there and and saying what they what they mean. And saying it the way they mean it because it takes all the power away from people that see it as a negative i think it's wonderful what you're doing
5: oh thank you so much absolutely well this film definitely has that vibe and if you can't make it to the theater we're going to be available on demand and on itunes so you can always find us there hopefully you guys can make it out to the theater but if not you can get us online
0: That'll be terrific. Amara, come back. We need, we need to talk more about all this stuff and educate people that they shouldn't be afraid of words because it's you. a bad idea. And thank I want to talk
5: next time about porn. <laughs> I want to thank you. Okay.
0: Okay, <laughs> Amara, next time you come on. Okay, so tomorrow.
5: It makes me uncomfortable too. <laughs> yeah.
1: Grosser.
0: Amara will take care of it. Come back soon. I'd love to have you back on very soon. That'd be wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. You too, Amara Cash, ladies and gentlemen. The movie's called Daddy Issues, opening at the Imagine Lake uh, Imagine Theater in Lakeville, Minnesota. It opens this Friday, but it's also available um, on uh, several different formats on Friday, so that's cool. Thanks for what?
1: Breaking news. What's breaking news? Bomb threat shuts down University of Saint Thomas Saint Paul campus for remainder
0: of Wednesday. Oh my God. When is this going to stop? With this hatred.
4: The hatred that people
3: have. Grow up. Go to therapy.
0: Quit Uh, doing drugs. Stop
4: stop it. Just
3: go listen to Dean Martin love songs.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Listen to some
5: nice
1: music with good messages.
0: Well, it's really too bad that Cassie had to leave early because she uh, lined up some really really great guests today. They're they're terrific. I thought it was very, very, uh, a very interesting show because you got several several different... You know what? Honest to God, I, I love those kinds of shows. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the family. Thank you